Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly comics podcast where we talk about some of our favorite collections of comics or graphic novels. I'm your co-host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And for today's episode, we are joined by Ted and Roe, the art team behind one of our favorite comics, Crowded. Hello. How are you two? Hello. Hi, we're good. Thank you. This is exciting. We we talk to more writers than we do artists, so it's always a real treat to talk to to the people that make the comics special to me. You know, the thing that makes it a comic and not just a book. So very, very excited to have you here. Um, maybe for our listeners at home that might not be familiar with you or your work, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and about Crowded? Um, well, Crowded's usually easier to describe. Oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> so um, Crowded is a near-future uh, buddy story that features the world's grumpiest lesbian and the world's uh, most disastrous bisexual oh, as yeah. uh, the former is desperately trying to prevent the latter from dying thanks to a crowdfunded assassination that uh, leaves all of America trying to kill her. I like it. It's That description makes it so perfect for our podcast, frankly. <laughs> you said that out loud and I was like, that's why people are here. <laughs> exactly. That's why people spend time with us. Also, there's a dog. Also, there is a, a very whose name is Dog. Dog. I felt that so hard when they called the dog something different over and over. I was like, "That is me with my pet." <laughs> Look at my cat Susan that I never call Susan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't want to uh, give anything too spoilery for Volume Three, but Dog does get a name. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with all that. Podcast is over. We're done. <laughs> Forget uh-huh. who's dying in the Justice League. We need to start speculating over Dog's name. <laughs> that is the real comic book news of the week. Right? Um, so so for me, this was a reread of this series. But for Anne and Lexi, this was your first time with Crowded. So yeah. what did you think of Crowded Volume one and two before we kind of get into the meat of it. I loved it. I loved it so much. I ate that shit up. My gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It was, Um, I, yeah, I went in blind. So as always, that's, I need that on a shirt. Um, It was fabulous. I loved it. Oh, that's fantastic. This is one of the books that's been on my radar for forever. I, I have like a list of books that's like um books I know I'll love. I'm just too lazy to start. And Crowded was sadly on that list for so long, which is why I was very happy that we decided to do this. Cause I'm like, finally, I can buckle down and read this. And then afterwards I was like beating myself the whole time. I'm like, why weren't you reading this book? This is the this is everything you've ever wanted in a book. Vita is everything I've ever wanted in a character. She's fantastic. Charlie is so fantastic. Their relationship is so wholesome. And the way it builds up across the entire series it's just so oh my gosh that's it's just my my like um my gay brain going into overdrive and i'm just like this is this is everything this is 
everything to me. And I've been sharing it on Twitter all this week, getting people really excited about it. It's one of those books that's very easy to promote because it's so expressive and so vibrant and it makes people want to go out and check it out, which is so great to see. And it's just, I hope more people pick this up because it's it's so good. It's phenomenal. We also help, hope more people pick it up. So you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Us too. Um, I like that Anne pointed out this, this book is a really easy one to share. And that's largely because of the artwork. It It's easy to show this and people become immediately intrigued and they want to know more. So my first question for you is, what's your approach to character design? Because I feel like that that was the first thing that drew me in was seeing these two phenomenal women on the cover that I needed to know more about. Well, we like our very first pass on both of them was terrible. Yeah, it was so off the it, mark. It didn't fit at all. Like we because we, we we didn't didn't really get what they were go like what Chris was going for with them. But we I think we started off trying to go what would be good to market rather yeah. than actually figuring out what are these characters. Yeah, and we, just, were, we were nervous. Yeah, cuz we, we were just like anxious as hell because you know, it was our first creator-owned pitch. We were mm-hmm. really scared of everything, but then when we sat down, then like I designed, like I kind of worked out all the principles of Vita, and then you did Charlie as a kind basically. Of... It's the opposite of everything Vita represents. <laughs> so yeah, like you know, we knew that Vita wanted to be strong and tough, so she was all hard angles. Um, I wanted to make sure that, like, she's there was a tension in her between her past and her and her current situation. So it's why she's still wearing shirt and tie and black trousers, the sort of thing she'd have worn in her previous life. But she's accent accenting it with the you know yellow Kill Jill uh, Kill Bill referencing jacket and the yellow boots because it gives because that that was then like a nice simple color palette for it that's really easy to identify quickly and also provides like this you know really strong tension between everything she was and everything she now is but doesn't want to admit i like that i think one of the tensions that comic books that aren't about costume heroes facing is making an iconic look that's easily recognizable that you just you look at the page like oh there there they are and i think vita and Charlie are perfect examples of that. You know where they are on every single page. Mm-hmm. And that that's a triumph of the comic, I think. I love it. Thank you. Because we even when they have different costumes, well, costumes, outfits, because mm-hmm. Charlie has quite a few different ones, um, we tried to make sure there was something that felt intrinsic to the character. Like in, at least in volume one, all of Charlie's different outfits are in fact made up of like the same couple of pieces worn in different ways. Cause she's living out of a bag. So it's just like how many different outfits can a girl make with four different pieces of clothing or however many it was. So uh, I had quite fun with that. <laughs> Charlie's closet is what I want my closet to look like. If I were to pick exactly what I want to go shopping for, it's that. Everything that she's got is great. I'll make sure to get you a loose slots t-shirt for yeah (laughs) yeah I hope I hope you do (laughs) that sounds fun um so again in your answer you sort of touched on how collaborative your art process Mm -hmm. is that 
what I guess what does that look like? That's not something that I feel like gets seen very often. It's very jumbled. Yeah, there isn't a clear answer because everything we do, like whether we're just doing line art, whether we're doing character designs, or whether like in when we're doing covers, we do full all the way up to full colour. It's all really hand in glove between the two of us. Like there there's no clear dividing lines at all mm-hmm. on anything. There, there's is on one. I never touch the inks because I'm too fucking messy. Yeah, but that's true. But like, <clears throat> but yeah. I mean, but when it comes to like planning out a page and uh, figuring out uh, the pencils, um, if I can't get a pose right, I um, sometimes I ask you to give me a hand with figuring out some of the shaping, or I get you to pose for it and I take pictures. And um, yeah, there's a lot of back and forth and help in there. Yeah. Yeah, we we don't we really don't have clear demarcation at all on any of the levels. Like we both have areas we're better at, but mm-hmm. um so yeah, we there there's always that sort of thing, but we really don't have very divided lines, which is which is always hell like for critics trying to talk about work because they can never quite work out which what what which, which of us did. You we need to demarcate you very very clearly, and you can't. I mean, it, 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 you know, like perfect example was um, uh, last week the um, uh, Red Sonia Black White and Red number six came out, which we had a story in, and um, again, like you know, both of us did all of it, and yet. Um, Somehow you did all the lines and I did all the colours, yep. according to multiple critics. It, it, so it, it it's very confusing for people on the outside because we don't divide easily. That's awesome. That was actually, you. there's something you touched on there that I really liked and I really wanted to talk about. And one of my questions, like, how do you find such expressive faces? How do you go through that process of depicting? Because when I'm reading this, that's one of the things like, I always focus on that in comics. Whenever someone's um, really expressive on the page, that's something I love to see because I love feeling their emotions. I think that's the best way to convey that. How do you find all these very unique faces for Charlie and Beta to make? Because I actually, on Twitter, I made like a little thread of just the most expressive Beta faces I could find because she was killing me the entire time. And it's just, um, I I need to know. How, how does that process work? There are faces kicked up a bit. Yeah, we both just pull faces at cameras yeah. until we find one that's suitably ludicrous. Yep, yep. And then exaggerate it. Fantastic. It definitely <laughs> works. It definitely works. Yeah, I, there's, there really isn't any magic to it. It's just we gurn at, uh, at each other's iPhones and then, you know... And then you'll do something exaggerated from that, and then I'll get it and usually push it a bit further. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's it's just how far can you push it before it breaks? Exactly. <laughs> like it's it's destruct testing of the idea of expression. Awesome. That destruct testing is my new favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> I just have like such a funny visual of you guys doing that together, just like staring yeah, at but... each other <laughs> and like. Making faces. That's pretty much exactly how it goes. Like we just could have go. There are then... there are some very weird reference 
like videos on my phone of like just trying to act out scenes and see where, where the faces go, where the body language goes, and just like then pushing it. So, yeah, like yeah. We'll, of, we'll often do scene reads together from scripts in order to actually like, because in that way we can feel the body language going as well and like actually, you know, work through it. So, yeah, it, it's not just a case of reading the script. We will often actually do a first pass acting it. Yes, we, we, we're not, That's we're so not scared cool. to act like complete wallies because no one's going to see us. So. No. <laughs> if we get we really just get really into it, it's like what's this character feeling and yeah yeah and and then you know it gets to the page and you exaggerate the hell yep. out of it and yep. then I push it that bit further just because I can yeah because we're ridiculous and then you end up with crowded and it's great <laughs> do you have a favorite exaggerated moment from the books that you can remember? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I, no, I can't think of a particular moment, but... I think it's usually when Vita is yelling yeah, at Charlie. Y just really I, pushing her face I, as well. I mean, a lot of the yelling. I enjoyed the trotter yelling as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You guys, we've got some really nice expression just yelling in general. <laughs> and that happens quite a bit in this book, so... Yeah. Set. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we were very grateful for with Crowded was getting to do angry women, because that's still a thing that a lot of female characters aren't really allowed to be, or it, or it has to be, you know, careful or safe in some way, and... Yeah, it was just nice to really cut loose. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't have to worry about making someone look pretty while they're angry. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, Expressions that... can be ugly. It's fine. It's, it's realistic in that way. Like... That's something I also really appreciate. I also love that from a character design angle, neither one of these protagonists are, like, what's traditionally, like, what you'd expect for, like, a female character to look like in a comic because... Vita's very masculine. She's very butch. And Charlie is curvier and more realistic. And I liked seeing that. That was so cool to see. And I think it makes them so much more relatable. And this whole this whole story does a lot of that. Most of the character designs here are so believable. I'm never like out of my mind like that would never happen. I, I could definitely see all these people actually existing. I mean, well, thank you. It, like, it's part of our design philosophy. We, you know, we want people to be able to see themselves in our books. It you know, what's the point otherwise? <laughs> Ultimately. Yeah, awesome. I I find myself more often with this book than many others screenshotting something and sending it to my partner and be like, we do this all the time. You know, I was like, this exact little thing, that I, I always tell her she's like Charlie and I look like Vita, just in, like our height <laughs> difference and just the little, the little smug curvy lady. <laughs> and I was like, this is you. And I, I don't do that with other comics I, I read. So I think this one does capture a special chemistry between partners and a real human element that makes it relatable, which I love. Thank you. Glad that came through. Yeah. Um, so, so one of my other questions of your creative process, what does 
what goes into making your layouts? Because I think there's some of the more imaginative layouts I've seen in creator comics. Uh, some of the time it's trying to leave enough space for all the text and fit in everything that was in the script and just how the heck can you jigsaw that onto a page? Yeah, and also like sometimes dense as Chris's scripts were, we were adding panels anyway oh, for yeah. like comedy beats and things like that. And so... Sometimes yeah. you need to add an extra expression to really sell the line. Yeah, and so it's things like that. that yeah, Once you've got that sort of thing going on, then... It's a case of how do we fit all this on the page so it's completely readable? Because, yeah. like, we knew up front Crowded was going to get, like, Crowded had the potential to be really difficult to read. Mm-hmm. But but we also knew we wanted it to be able to be someone's first comic and that be okay. Well, that's why we added some panels in some places. Like we def, this is because there's some actions that can occasionally be like this could be difficult to interpret exactly what's happening. So you have to make. I can't remember off the top of my head what I'm thinking of specifically, but it's like you have to add extra panels in sometimes to make sure that a certain element is read clearly. So yeah, that kind of thing happened as well. But yeah, so I mean, the layouts like. We're trying to make sure that there was always a good mix of camera angles um, that we had, you know, um, decent, especially because Crowded uses so many different locations that, like, we couldn't ever skimp on backgrounds or anything like that. It had to be enough that we could always know exactly where we were and make sure that it was very distinctive. So it's about basically maximizing the amount of visual information we can fit on a page. I like that. Um, I think one of the hardest things to convey in comics, just because of the nature of them being still images, is the timing of a joke and the timing of action. And I think, I mean, that's what Crowded is. So maybe could you fill us in a little bit on how you think it's best to, to deliver comedy beats in a comic book. Well, I think part of the reading them out loud occasionally can help you figure out where the comedy beat is. Cause if you need to add like a pause in, that can be difficult. If you're writing out a joke, like in a script form, you might not necessarily hear the rhythm of what you need to do. So we basically were trying to um, figure out how we would amuse ourselves by, um, how the timing would work out. Yeah, I mean, like, and we're both very big fans of, like, old-school slapstick. Yeah. And that has a very specific rhythm that translates very well into comics, you know, which is um, action, beat, response, or um, action, beat, action. Like, it, it's very specific, um, very specific timings involved in good slapstick. And so if you use that as a guide, it's it becomes a lot easier to try and figure out how you're going to convey stuff. That's, I really like hearing about that because there's, I've always heard um, that like the behind the scenes process is like the writer of a comic is like the screenwriter for a film, but the art team is like the director, the cinematographer, the casting director. So that's so much weight on just your shoulders and also the colorist. And it's just, 
that's so impressive to me. And you describing like actually having to act out the scenes, that's something that I can't imagine like any other art team doing. But now I'm thinking about how many other books work that way. And that's a really cool process to hear because like I'm, I'm, I always approach comics from a writing side personally, just that's like what I understand best. So it's really, really great to hear about the process from the art perspective because that's so new to me and so unique. And I think that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's a lot. It is a lot of fun. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. ultimately we enjoy comics writing as well. Like, you know, we enjoy doing that. But the art is where you get to really play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like in a story like this, especially, that's where the heart comes out. And I think that both of you did a fantastic job of selling that. Thank you. I mean, the, also the fact that the fact that we made the first issue quite slapsticky was what turned it into a comedy book. Because originally, originally Chris was thinking it was going to be much more kind of straight crime oriented. Oh. But then it's just when we were reading things, it just seemed like there was so much humour just beneath the surface. Because um, um, that first shot of dog looking up at Vita and that inter-exchange yeah. where they're on the sofa, um, that wasn't initially written like that no we thought what the one of the funniest things to first see the dog is just that big close-up with the goofy eyes and just the vita staring down at him is that that silent comedy of this situation is a bit weird that was a great scene i have to ask because we got um how you approach the comedy aspects what about the um the the other side of this the the brilliant action scenes. How do you approach scenes like that from a creative perspective? Similar principle, really. Yeah, I mean, the, like the, I mean, we can't do backflips in here. No, <laughs> but like, I mean, like the but the similar slapstick is a really also a really good um, guide for action scenes mm-hmm. because what is an action scene if not serious slapstick? Really, like because it, it's. It still gives you that really strong sense of timing. What is my life but serious slapstick, frankly? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Um, Alexis, what, what are some of your thoughts about, about Crowded and the craft behind it? I, I just keep... I'm sorry. I feel like I'm like staring into your souls because I'm just <laughs> so intrigued by the thought... Because a little background on myself, like I grew up in theater and musicals and plays. And so like hearing you say that you act out the scripts that you get is just like a fun perspective that I've never gotten on comics before. And I'm very new to the comics world. I mean, I grew up with a doofus older brother that would read them all the time. And so it's just really fun to get to see that. And so it's kind of like combining my two worlds a little bit, hearing you guys talk about it. So I love it. It's been this is great. This is so fun. And I, I love, I just have to say off the top, I love Vita so much. I'm so intrigued by her. I don't know why. When I like saw her, I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like this. Cranky <laughs> it was just, it was fabulous. And so it was really fun to read at two o'clock <laughs> last night. <laughs> We've had so much fun with Vita because we, deliberately applied diehard principles to her throughout which means like because as as you go through the diehard movies bruce willis gets more and more like he's carved out of granite 
he, you know, because in the first one, he looks just like a, a guy. Second one, he looks like, you know, a buff guy. Third one, he looks like an action hero. Fourth one, he looks like a living statue made of granite. Like, and it's just, and so we just kept jacking Vita every time, every issue. We had deliberately pushed it that bit further for her. Just. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> noticed that. I remember I was like looking at her in her tank top and I was like, wait a minute. I gotta like flip back. I was like, where where were these veins? Like, hey, two all I can think when you say living granite is the shot on the toilet when her arm is just jacked to all hell. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I could, ne- I could never. Wow, <laughs> wow. Like calling people on the subway, like, come here, look at this. Holy cow! <laughs> look at the definition on that shoulder, and they're like, you're the weirdest guy on the subway right now. Like, That's an accomplishment. Yeah, <laughs> give me a sticker of- for that. Feeding crowded for me is that perfect combination of I want to be you, but also where are you IRL? I need your number. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, speaking of things that evolved as you go, how how do you think your art style evolved, not just over these, but into like volume three? How did it change from the beginning? Because you said that it started off, it was supposed to be more serious than it actually ended up being. So definitely your art style played a part in that. Did it? How did it pan out moving forward from there? Well, I've just been trying to get better at anatomy myself. Yeah, I mean, like, that's part of what happened to Vita's arms. I learned how arm muscles work. So, yeah, I mean, like, we, we never had specific goals. It was always just we didn't want to ever be able to look back and say this wasn't the best we could have done at the time. So, like, that's why the art evolves at such a pace because there is no way to learn how to make comics better than making comics and every issue taught us something new that we applied to the next issue i like that a lot do you feel like your approach changed with volume three being an entire unit versus the monthly issue to issue grind i mean it was still it was still we still got the scripts in issue form so it wasn't so different um no not not really i mean like we did. We. I think the main difference is that we didn't have the necessarily the you have to do it by this point type thing. No, I mean we're so, still doing it as fast as possible. Oh, but yeah, but we didn't have those yeah explicit breaks. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think there was like too much difference. Like the main difference for me personally was that I inked volume three digitally because. Uh, because in 2019, do, inking volume two of Crowded, I also did the um, <clears throat> also did all of the line art for a uh, middle grade graphic novel in the same year, which meant that you got an RSI. Yeah, I I like thanks because that that year I did I believe if you include all the covers and all of that something in the region of 400 pages. And bananas. Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't all in one go, but I spent an entire month of that year in total not being able to move my right arm. Not not because of pain, it just wouldn't move. It it literally got so traumatized by all the work, it just shut down for various points. So um, I moved digital for the last volume of Crowded just to kind of ease some of the pressure. Do you feel like that changed the art style in the way that you noticed? Oh, yeah, it definitely did. And I personally prefer, like, what I was doing on the paper, but it's not that it's, you know, it's not that either one is better or worse. It's just 
where my tastes go. Mm-hmm. That is really interesting. I didn't know that you physically inked it. I, I just come to assume that so much of this is digital. It's, it's cool to get that peek behind the curtain. Oh yeah. Like I, I'm, I much prefer inking on paper. I really do. I, I don't really like working digitally unless I have to. I feel that. I feel that in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a paper kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess one of my questions is volume one seemed to be a pretty straightforward beginning, middle and end structure. Whereas volume two, it seemed like an extension on that. And there was a little visiting different locales. And so I guess, what do you feel like you liked about working on volume two versus volume one? I mean, the touring aspect of two was fun. Like, yeah, you know, because while while I while the you know the beginning, middle, and end nature of one was good, it still was all in LA. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did like going to different places. Though, it, um, what I liked about volume one versus volume two is that we did know basically where that was going. We did not know where volume two was going as it was being written issue by issue. <laughs> Just like, um, Chris, can you tell us where we're going next so I can start making some SketchUp models, please? Jeez, that that would be wild. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess... yeah uh, we made a bit of the Vegas strip in, like, block form for um, mm-hmm. oh. the first half of uh, Volume 2, and that was quite a strain on the computer. <laughs> yeah, because at that point we had a really creaky, oh, creaky... Yeah goddamned like um windows pc that was five years old or something and it did not like um nevada yeah like i mean so we're we're talking neither do i (laughs) so we're talking like a vegas model that's all just cubes no no really real detailing on any of it at all Uh, but just the scale of that it was still really struggling to keep up that was tricky yeah it was, it's fun for me. I, I grew up in Utah, so right next to, to Nevada. And so it, it was fun to see them road tripping through that big, weird, empty desert that I know so well, where it's like nothing, 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 giant city in the middle of the desert. What is going on here? And, and so I felt very seen by like the people like toting their guns on the train, like, yeehaw, welcome to the West. <laughs> I was like, people reading this might think it's exaggerated, but this it's is real. Not. This is my, like, were this to happen, you'd have a lot of cow pokes going around like, <laughs> I'm the sheriff of these parts. It's like, no, you're, you're a project manager, Dave. You're not a sheriff. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the, the things that's amazing about Crowded, and that was amazing all the way through, is that, everything that happened in there, someone would go, wow, that's so insane and crazy. You've pushed it so far. I love it. And someone else go, no, that's my life. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt that where I kept, I kept wanting to be like, what a strange world they inhabit. Like even looking back at the ads in like the billboards and stuff was something that was killing me this time through. The Marie's condos actually made me laugh out loud. I cackled about that for a good 10 minutes because my mother worships that woman worships her she thinks she is so great and i'm like oh, i know her i know you 
That's so funny. <laughs> We're very proud of that joke. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> it was. I, I felt it for sure. It was like, it's like I've had to Marie Kondo my tiny apartment because I live in a big city. That is well, funny. I know, and as soon as well, we knew we were on something, as soon as we had the catchphrase, minimum space, maximum joy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I'm looking and seeing all four corners of my New York apartment right now. Like, yep, minimum space, maximum joy. I can see everything I own right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is a book that I think lends itself very, very heavily to rereads because there's so much, like, just me browsing it right now as we're talking that I didn't notice the first time through that um, you managed to sneak in there. And I, one of the things I was looking at is I'm on volume two and I just noticed that when um, Charlie puts on the, the VR headset for Vita, that that's the same scene that plays out later when Vita's talking about her past as a secret security officer. And I thought that's just, that's so, so unique. And all the backgrounds are so fleshed out. You all did such a fantastic job here. Was there like a specific setting that was your absolute favorite to draw? Or something that you set up really early that you were really proud of? Um, I mean, like, I don't know about setting, but I was inordinately proud of all the background advertising and all that, because that was us. Chris never had to say in any of that. All of that. All all of the... So, like, America's next top bottom. um, (laughs) I had fun with that one. That one did make me laugh. I mean, and you know, just for a classic, I I really enjoyed Crispy Kremlin. Yeah, it was good. It was a good a good logo for Crispy Kremlin. I really I didn't notice in my first read through, and this time it was my favorite part. Was we get like the city, and I start scroll zooming in <laughs> on every advertisement I could find. It's like these are my my favorite jokes. I, I like the TV shows one. I remember I was looking. It's like RuPaul's Indy Five Hundred. Hold up, <laughs> that was really fun to do as well. We spent like it didn't take us long to come up with a list either. We were just riffing on the sofa. It was like, yeah. what kind of stupid TV shows can we get? Again, it was like yeah, you know, it was just what a case was the guy of, Fieri one, um, J- uh, Chief Justice Fieri, a retrospective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it, it was just a case of like we were just looking at what American culture was at the time and. It, extrapolating out five years yeah you you nailed us you hit it right on the head i mean i don't want to say we were trying to be mean but we were trying to be mean (laughs) i mean honestly deserved so i mean i read this comic and i watched the new season of too hot to handle last week so i am the problem frankly (laughs) i am the problem with american culture And, you know, with that TV list, putting in Supernatural, like, because of that it point, it did going. seem unkillable. Because <laughs> you didn't have a rusty nail, that's why you couldn't kill it. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, that's show, I swear to God. But, yeah, I think the, um, the future you constructed here is something that I feel like we're going to get more and more painfully close to every year that passes. Do you feel like we're slightly closer to it? Do you feel like you've had an accurate vision of what the future is going to be like? Upsettingly, yes. <laughs> Ted and Rowe, the slapstick Nostradamus. I mean, well, like, we, we've had this discussion with Chris as well. Like, the three of us, we're all deeply uncomfortable with the fact that Crowded was just ahead of its time. And, like, because, yeah, um, so much that's in the book has happened because um i mean like with reaper we've al- there's already been a real life 
not a full Reaper, but it was Hatreon. Yeah, um, there, there was a, some right wing people started Hatreon not long after we. Uh, I mean, it died quickly, but you know, it was literally crowdfunding hate campaigns, and, and we were just ahead of that. Like, you know. But on a lighter note, there is a giant penis building being made in Las Vegas now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Only their one is a bit more, uh, is a bit less subtle and a bit more anatomically correct than ours is. We tried to go geometric. They've gone full on curved dong. You were, I can't believe you were too subtle. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I know. We, we thought, you know, giant. Uh, giant, tall, like kind of you know, phallus, semi, semi normal looking building with two huge domes. Mm-hmm. We thought, you know, th- th- this is uh, this is about as far as anyone push it. Nope, there is actually a dog building. I think that my my belief in subtlety went out the window with the rocket sh- ship that was shaped like a penis going out earlier in the year. You know, it's like we just we made it look. Like we were sending our dong to space. There's there's no such thing as subtlety anymore. I mean, oftentimes, the philosophy on Crowded was that community line of there's a time and a place for subtlety, and it, that time was before Scary Movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. I love community. It's such a good show. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have any... Final questions or comments about volume one and two, or do we want to move into volume three? No, I'm excited. Let's move on. I'm, I'm ready to hear about volume three. This is because I'm so hyped for it now. Mm-hmm. All right. So obviously without too many spoilers or anything, but what, what are you excited for us to encounter in volume three? Uh, it'll be coming out next week when this is released. Uh, I've got a one word answer. Cersei. Yeah. She's so yeah. cool. <laughs> and yeah, like she's the she's a, a big focus of volume three. Well, you can tell from the cover. Yeah. She's gonna be far more involved. Yeah, because yeah, the, the cover rightly has her spotlighted. But I mean like the, the cover the cover for volume three really accurately depicts the vibe that we're going for of the whole book. Like yeah, because we tried to make sure that the um that each of the the trade covers sums up the cause it, again like the first one was more or less accidental because that was just the issue one cover and it turned out to fit but then like mm-hmm. when we were replicating that for volume two we were trying to sum up the vibe of the entire book and i think think we did that as pretty successfully for, for the volume three cover to be honest yeah i think so yeah i like that um did you have a favorite character to come back to to drawing as you worked on volume three? Uh, the shitty teens. Yeah. I do like them. I felt seen they're, by them as well. They're so fun. That was such a good look into Dallas's childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it made me giggle. Because <laughs> I witnessed it very firsthand. <laughs> any any of them in particular? Dare mm. I ask? That's a, I will look and I will come back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh jeez. Let's see. I'm thinking I go back to like um I'm thinking about the hyper two battle in volume two. Is there without revealing too much, is there a big action spread that we can look forward to in volume three? Yes. Yeah. 
there, there is one double page spread that is almost brutal yet. I'm very yes. excited. Like, I if if it wasn't quite so violent, I think it would make a fantastic poster. Yeah, it's like we went really design heavy on it to make sure that it again, like you know, always constantly trying new things. Have you you've heard the phrase "blood in the gutters," right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we literally have that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's no longer a metaphor on that double page. Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, um, Tree did such a fantastic job coloring that. Oh as god, well. yeah, she made it so good. But yeah, like so <clears throat> that that's probably yeah. It, it, this it, that double page is definitely the most outright violent thing we've had in the entire book. Yeah, I like oh. it. Um. So one of my favorite parts of volume two was when Vita and Charlie finally got together. <laughs> I, I feel like I had been reading the whole time. I was like, please, was like, come, on, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Reading as fast as I can. <laughs> Do you feel like volume three is going to be steamy too? Or is that <clears throat> over? It's not steamy because... It's, it's more complicated. It's yeah. too complicated to be steamy. Because... Because it's that thing of once you're past the initial burst of lust, <laughs> that's when feelings phase is happen. already over. <laughs> yeah, I do like they speed ran their relationship and their honeymoon phase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Get exactly yeah. thirty-seven minutes of a honeymoon phase. Pretty well, and it's in a truck stop bathroom. Yeah. Again, very, very Western United States of them. <laughs> I was like, wow, in the car. Yep, yep, yep. That's exactly how that goes. I mean, to be, to, be fair, to be fair, if you are going to steal a car that, that, drives, has, itself. that drives itself yeah. and has a bed, you might what as well. Else? You gotta entertain yourself somehow. You got time to kill. There was no, got any games on your phone. There was, we know exactly <laughs> how we're getting to Vegas. <laughs> so yeah, like, definitely not as steamy, but I think the relationship stuff is all equally satisfying, just from a very different perspective. Yeah. Without like going that. into it too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. Are there any things you're hoping to see, Alexis, out of Volume 3? Oh, goodness. That was my first one. That was the first top of the list. But um, I don't know. I'm glad that we mentioned Cersei because I screenshotted the first page of her, like, dramatically walking in. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> She's badass. I like I like you. And so I'm excited to dive more into that character. Definitely, for sure. I mean, like... You, you find know, out a lot more about her. Yeah, I mean, because you were asking about, like, design philosophies for the characters earlier. Oh, yeah. Cersei was a fascinating one, because we couldn't get our editor and Chris, like, to agree on any specific design. Like, it we kept cycling through them like because initially the vibe we were asked to try and shoot for was like femme fatale type thing mm-hmm. and it just wasn't working we couldn't get anything that people liked so we were like okay fine fuck it she doesn't have a look mm-hmm. you know she has all she's the like looks a, yeah. she's like a chameleon she yeah. i love all of her and, like different wigs <laughs> well exactly that's the thing like so then it's like well actually it really works for the character if she doesn't have a look. She can't be easily pinned down. She can be in the background of anything and no one will ever notice. You know, she's... Yeah, she's got wigs, but, um, so she can't be tracked 
by hair. She wears different clothes all the time. The only things that you can cle- clearly identify her with are those glasses, her glove things. And her lipstick. And her lipstick. Green lipstick. Mm-hmm. Which was a great a great character design for me because, again, you spot her because of the green lipstick, and then you realize, like, oh, she's blending in so well. Like, mm-hmm. I almost feel like you go out from the lipstick when you spot her on a page. I thought that was a lot of fun. We thought we had, that was like the one design element. It's like um, we need something that makes you know this is the same person from the entire mm-hmm. time. So it's like green lipstick. That's yeah, green lipstick and very distinctive sunglasses. Yeah, which mm-hmm. clearly are some sort of like heads up display. Though mm-hmm. we never get a Cersei eye view to see exactly what. I do like that. Such a great. I one of my favorite parts was getting a little glimpse at her backstory, and it was told completely through um, social media posts. Yeah, was mm-hmm. that something that was in the script, or did that come from you? No, that was definitely in the script. Okay, awesome. That was cool. And um, Chris did all of the design work for the like knockoff social media sites. Well, not all of them, because you remember we did like the um, login pages. Yeah, for all but, I mean, like the, for for that specific sequence, like yeah. Chris did the kind of like the actual page pages designs, didn't he? Like, because we just kind of let, you know did the images in the space, and he like kind of did the branding type bits around it. Did he? I don't even remember anymore. I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> I don't, I'm ninety nine percent certain. This was like two years ago. I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, that that was all absolute. Bec- Precisely because, like, it ties thematically with, mm-hmm. you know, with that aspect of her story and then why she wanted to become a chameleon and disappear afterwards. Right. So, like, you know. I mean, you definitely made me start to give side eyes to some of the kids of mommy bloggers I know. <laughs> Growing up in Utah, there are so many mommy bloggers. There's so many. And so I, there's these little twins that are neighbors of my parents. And I was looking at them and I was like, I was like, you two are going to become villains because because of all this celebrity you're going is. to become. He is already a little he super is a villain. villain. So. <laughs> He's like eight villain. Again, this book is wildly prescient, frankly. <laughs> I, I'm waiting with just palpable anticipation to the Disney kid style breakdown of all of these influencer kids. <laughs> as horrible as that sounds. <laughs> Someone yeah. else talks so we can get away from me saying that out loud. No, no, no. I, I just wanted to sit in it for a second. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I have any more questions. Do you have anything else, Alexis? No, I'm just so excited for Volume 3. I'm so excited. Like, I don't say this very often, but I read, like, all of the stuff that we do on my phone and I don't I mean I live in a very small apartment so I don't like to have a lot of books unlike Dallas um but this I I want to go buy all of the volumes and like line oh, yeah. them up on my little shelf and just be like yes I like you <laughs> like you you made the cut girlfriend but I'm very I'm very excited for volume three yeah no no promises about who survives with the exception <gasps> oh, of dog who okay. absolutely will why would you say that <laughs> See, now, now it's stress. Now it was fun. Now it's stress. Yeah. Okay, fun went out the window. <laughs> Do we want to talk about that a little bit? Care to uh, let, let, elaborate? Let, I need I need to tell my therapist something. <laughs> and just just let let the listeners know I was doing a nice evil grin while that happened. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the here. show notes. He had a little cat on his on his 
laugh like the evil villain in his twisty chair over there. Oh god, I'm just imagining you doing that with a dog. <laughs> she would not sit still. No. Also, she's not really cat-sized. No. Even better. It's okay. I've been throwing a toy mouse for my cat in the background of this call for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> she was going to come show you her only cats on the screen if I didn't <laughs> leave her alone. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, my dog has been coming to visit every 20 minutes or so. Wait, y'all have animals that like you? Mine's just gone. <laughs> yeah, she just disappears into the wind. <laughs> Once I feed her in the morning, she, she goes and does her own thing. She doesn't care. <laughs> I like it. Mine, <coughs> pretend, mine pretends like she hates me, but then she's always within like three feet of me. I was like, hmm, hmm, very telling. And she looks at me like, we live in an apartment that's three feet, dumbass. I don't like <laughs> you. <laughs> um, I guess my final comment for, for anybody that's listened to this and has been excited, um, definitely read Crowded. I think that the artwork from Ted and Rowe is something that elevates this book from the rest it feels like alexis said like something you actually want to own something you want to put on your shelf Mm -hmm. because it's it is such a beautiful book i think the idea is great the story is great but the thing that i will always remember about crowded is the looks the designs the action it's something that i find myself picking up and flipping through and constantly revisiting and i think that's because of the talented work of ted and rowe so thank you so much for giving us your time but more importantly, thank you so much for creating something that yes. is going to stick with me for a very long time. Thank you. Yes. Um, it's just very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For anyone listening who's very picky about the books they pick up in print, this is one that's so, so worth it. Mm-hmm. This is one you want on your shelf just to pull down and look at pretty pictures whenever you want. And it's just the feelings in here are real. It's one of the books that makes me laugh out loud and actually makes me tear up from time to time. And that's really special. And I love it. So I that's think, my little pitch for it. I think this, knowing the people that listen to our comics, I know that a lot of times we want to see better forms of representation in our superhero exactly. comics. We want to see queer relationships. We want to see, like you said, female characters that get to be mad. We, and this book does a great job of telling those stories that we're looking for everywhere else. Like, this is the book you've been looking for that has the action, it has the steam, it has the comedy, it has the iconic characters that you're going to want to spend time with. And definitely, if you've made it this far in this show, you've liked all of this, you're going to love volume three of Crowded. So mm-hmm. go, go pick up all three volumes and have a wonderful weekend because you'll be transported. Exactly. <clears throat> Yeah, and without wanting to say too much, be prepared to potentially cry over the last few pages of the uh, the volume, because I did. You're a villain. Ah! You are a villain. <laughs> villain. You can see it in your eyes. You're a villain. You're enjoying it. Oh, love oh I am. There's no doubt about it. I am ready to be hurt again. <laughs> Add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so as we wrap up the show, Ted and Ro, do you have anything else you'd like to plug or places people can follow you to keep up with your work? I mean, um, we did just have uh, um, so, it, it, a story in Red Sonia, Black, White and Red, number six. If you like Crowded, you like that. It's uh, It was written by Shannon Waters of Lumberjanes fame. And oh. um, it's a, it was basically us doing our very best Hanna-Barbera. Red Soldier. Yeah. 
I'm going to pick that up this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> it's very cartoony. <laughs> Here I go, I... buying a Red Sonia book right now. Let's do it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's like Red Sonia is for. Yeah. Red Sonia, black, white, and red, number six. Um, yeah, it, it was just, Shannon gave us just the most delightfully like fun and twee script. And we ha you know, we hammed the the max out of it. Yeah. Um I, I saw one review describing it as style of gag comics. Yeah. So they meant that as an insult, but that was not they? how I think so. But that was I not how know. I took it. <laughs> I didn't take it as an insult. No, but I think that's how they meant it. Well they failed. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all right, yeah, okay, I can see it. <laughs> um, there's also the um, if you can download the free um, NYC. Um, yeah, um, yeah. If you uh, go to our, our Twitter um, the... things, um, we also did a uh, a short story with um, Danny Law um, uh, as part of the uh, as, as part of a, a project called Recognized for um, the Good Trouble project, um, which was uh, storytelling for, um, uh, it was done by the New York Board of Education, um, specifically for um, queer youth. And awesome. so uh, we joined with Danny and um, Marissa Louise to um, tell the story, and Clayton Cowles, sorry, I should really should, not sideline Clayton because his work's fantastic. And um, to tell the story of uh, Alan Locke, who was you know one of the corners, one of the cornerstones and yet unsung heroes of the Harlem Renaissance. Very cool. Thank I'm you, trying yeah. to I'm trying to find the full um, link, but I cannot. So if you go to our Twitters, yeah, they'll, they'll um, be there. That you can get a download. Yeah, or you, you can search it at uh, we teach NYC, um, dog. Yeah. Got it. Very cool. We'll absolutely boost that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really you know really good project. It's, mm. it, it, the the whole function of it is to show queer New York teenagers that there is a heritage that they that they are a part of that their city has a history and you know. All that sort of thing, which is is a, a really fantastic project. It was great to. Oh, yeah. uh, We're very honoured to do it. Because, yeah, because, because well, it's, it's like um, out of everyone to do this, like you're picking two uh, pasty white British people to draw <laughs> this. It's like we're we're doing this right. We're researching the heck out of this. We're going to yeah. do the best job we possibly can because exactly, we're interested with it. And while we may be queer, we're absolutely not. You know people of colour or, or from New York. No. So we, it was both an honour and a responsibility to do it right. Yeah. We wanted to, yeah, do it justice. I hope we did. <laughs> that warms my heart. That's fantastic. Yeah, other than that, um, we don't have much else coming. We're, we're uh... doing a series of variant covers, but the book hasn't been announced, so we can't say for what yet. Yeah. Uh, okay um but the, there's um there's a, there'll be a book being announced fairly soon that we that we are the official variant artists for the first two arcs of at least and very cool very exciting 
we yeah. Uh, yeah we can't say what what it is or what we've done but it's again because we don't like to be consistent with anything it's not what you're used to from us it's all um digitally painted pieces specifically homaging uh various works of art from history that sounds very up my alley so i'm excited <laughs> for that yeah very cool well, We'll be yelling about that on Twitter as soon as it's solicited. Yes. Fantastic. We'll keep an eye out for it. All right. So again, everyone, please go out. When this releases, Crowded will be coming out next week. Mm -hmm. So please go pick up volume three of Crowded. Try your best to pick up volumes one and two as well. I know they, they're easy to pick up on Comixology. That's where I got them for my little apartment. But... You're going to love it. This comic is great, and we highly recommend it. Uh, thank you, Ted and Rose, so much for your time and for making this such a delightful Saturday morning. You That's really so you made this great for us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we made it worth your while to wake up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right at 8 a.m. Love it. That's what you get for living in the past. She, yeah, she yeah. lives out there, still in the West, where all those characters are I from. still so. in Utah. Woohoo! It's all right. It's her own dang fault. I just cry about it. It's fine. <laughs> all right. Um, if you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter accounts at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou Comics underscore comics. Yeah, I get it right, damn it. <laughs> if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support please go to apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening give us a five-star review and we'll read it off on the show and finally feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at the comics collective at gmail.com and finally please stick around today is a very special double header of an episode we were covering crowded here and Immediately below it on the feed, or after on the feed, I don't know how to post, is our coverage of Tilly Walden's On a Sunbeam. So today we're covering two of our very favorite queer-led sci-fi comic books, mm -hmm. and we hope you stick around for both episodes. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.